Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Trying to Figure It Out. I'm Ali Petiti, and here on Trying to Figure It Out, we do exactly that. We try to figure it all out. We talk about things like friendship, mental health, dating, and we learn about life along the way, and that's obviously my favorite part about doing this podcast. So this is going to be the last episode in our divorce mini-series, which has been so fun for me to do. So far, I've shared my own experience being a child of divorce. I spoke with Jacqueline on her own experience through two divorces. And today I have with me a divorce coach to provide more of an expert opinion on the subject. Welcome to Trying to Figure It Out, Wendy. Thank you so much, Ellie. It's an honor to be here. I'm very excited to get to know you. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, me too. So before we get into the heavy topics of this episode, I always like to start things off with something a little more upbeat. So today we're going to do a little warm-up called Rosebud Thorn, which is something I actually always do at the end of my family vacations. We do a rose, a bud, and a thorn. And the rose is something that's going really well in your life and that you're enjoying. A bud is something that's kind of blooming in your life and something that you're excited about that's kind of in the pipeline. And the thorn is something that you know might be stressing you out a little bit and that you're trying to work on. So we'll go through them together and I'll let you go first and then I'll do mine. Sure. Um, so for my rose, I would say that I'm actually in the process of enrolling an amazing group of women into a 30-day program all around finding yourself. And so the rose has bloomed and is in full effect. And I've got 12 amazing women already signed up for it. So that's amazing. That's my rose. That's amazing. I would yeah. say my rose is this podcast and just, you know, we're wrapping up our first season. So I'm super excited to have come this far and put out as many episodes as I have. And I'm just excited to see what comes next from it. Awesome. Okay, so now it's the bud, right? Now it's the bud. So let's see. Oh, there's so many buds over here. <laughs> um, you know which one I'm going to – oh, can I say two buds? Yes, of course. Okay, so bud number one is uh, I'm writing a book, and the, the book is all about my own personal experience of divorce. And then bud number two is I am scouting out a – an amazing location for my next women's retreat. That's amazing. And I'm really excited about it. So that's amazing. Well, congratulations on the book. I can't Thank wait you. for that. Thank and you. also congratulations on everything. I feel like you have so many amazing things that you're doing and I'm so excited yeah. to get more into it with you. Yeah. Thank you. I would say my bud is I am moving soon and setting up a new home for myself. So I think that that would be my bud right now is just that's getting exciting. organized and settled somewhere different. That's exciting. <sighs> okay. okay. The, the more dark one is the thorn. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one that really comes to mind right now, honestly, is um, my, my son uh, has – so we're Jewish, and he has his bar mitzvah in December. And mm -hmm. so in the midst of trying to launch all these programs, and this is typically the busiest season for me, I am also planning right. a – hundred plus person bar mitzvah, uh, for wow. my son. And so honestly it is wrangling <laughs> vendors and getting stuff together is proving to be quite thorny. <laughs> so oh, that's my, my thorn right now, but I'm excited for him. <laughs> that's amazing. I would say my thorn is probably, I would say just kind of still dealing with some internal anxieties and reprocessing some trauma that I've been working on a lot. And as much as that might also be a bud, it has right now been a bit more of a thorn because when yeah. you start going through the process of reprocessing, you know, a lot of things can come up and it can be really hard to go through again. So yeah. I'm definitely going through some waves right now, but yeah, well, have compassion, have grace, give yourself 100%. space. 100%. Thank so. you. Mm -hmm. Now we are going to dive in to your story and really learn about you and what you do and your own experiences. And I'm really excited to talk about divorce with you because not only do you have personal experience with it, but you also specialize in it. And it's something that you work with so closely and deeply. As a divorce coach, you help women with your five-step divorce rehab process. And you also have your own podcast called The Divorce Woman's Guide, which yes. I did tune into. 
to, and I'm going to keep listening. It's very helpful. So I really appreciate that. For context, are you mostly helping women who are leaving heterosexual marriages? Yes, predominantly uh, heterosexual. However, I have worked with uh, women who have been married to other women and I've supported them as well. Amazing. To really take it way back in your own journey, what were your opinions on marriage and divorce when you grew up? (laughs) That's a great question. Um, You know, I grew up, um, you know, my family are Holocaust survivors, so I'm actually first generation born here in the United States. So I grew up in a home where it was all about living the American dream, uh, fitting in. Uh, my parents were married up until you know my mom passed away in January of ovarian cancer, um, but my parents were married. Thank you. My parents were married over 50 years together. My grandparents were married forever. So growing up, marriage was always a dream for me. Um, yeah. You know, I had this vision when I was younger. I had every age that I was going to be doing something. So it was like married by 25, first kid at 28, <laughs> second kid at 30. And, you know, like I had this plan for myself and I wanted to stay home with my kids because that's what my mom did. And that's what I thought I wanted to do. So I very much had like an idealized version of what I thought marriage was. And at the same time, I came from a home where, you know, love my family, super close with them. My mom was my best friend. Um, But I also grew up in a home where I lived into a very feminine role, which meant look pretty, sit pretty, keep your mouth shut, nod your head, agree, and how dare you have opinions because I had a lot of them, (laughs) you know, divorce wasn't even an option. Uh, No one in my family had gone through that. Wasn't, you know, I didn't walk down the aisle thinking that that was ever going to happen to me. And I think that's interesting because it's like as someone who grew up with divorce and, and it was in my life multiple times, my mom got divorced two times. So, you know, I've seen that and I still don't even know what I envision. Like for me, I would love to get married, but I also, you know, I don't think anyone imagines themselves getting divorced, even if they've seen it before. It's just not something you ever want to even picture yourself going through. No, it's never the plan B, right? I wish I existed when I was going through this, right? That's pretty much why I created the program that I have the privilege of walking women through. But it's really, I help these women walk down the path that none of us anticipate when they're walking down that aisle to say I do because it is so unexpected and never on top of our mind you know when you're walking into a happily ever after life absolutely so you did end up getting married and you were with your partner for 23 years so how did your marriage compare to the idea that you had growing up I you know, again, grew up in this like idealized American home. Right. And, you know, my sister was supposed to, one of us was supposed to marry a doctor. One of us was supposed to marry a lawyer. My sister married the doctor. I married the lawyer, ironically, (laughs) and I married him at 25. So, um, he and I actually met third week, freshman year. We went to UCLA, um, and that's where we met and had our, you know, love story, uh, blossom. And yeah, after he graduated from law school, passed the bar, we got married and basically he checked all my boxes at the time right when you're that young um you know you have a lot of different desires i also would safely say i didn't really know myself quite as well as i do today and a big part of that was because i felt my whole life that i had grown up living into an image of myself that was like predetermined for me by my family. I was a people pleaser, always looking outside of myself to make sure that I was doing what I was supposed to do to get that reassurance. And so essentially I brought that into my marriage. I sought that out for myself. And what ended up happening was I married somebody who enabled me to continue to duplicate how I showed up in my life. Now I was able to do that in my marriage. Right. Um, you know, I, at the time I also graduated, I had an amazing career. I was living the life that 
you know, I checked the boxes, right? right? That was the goal. Check the boxes, you know, had our first son when I was 29 and then had our second son at 32. Wow. <laughs> um, so my boys now are 16 and uh, my younger one will be 13 on Friday. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, had the two kids, bought the three bedroom picket fence home and literally yeah. like on the outside, we had the perfect life. I call it now the Facebook facade life that I literally, (laughs) um, you know, we have so much control now over what people get to see. And I was very conscious of what I wanted people to think. And that was what I really lived my life according to. No, I think that makes so much sense. What eventually led to your marriage ending? You know, it was, it was one fateful night that I will never forget. Let me just preface by saying leading up to that night, he and I had been in couples therapy because he was depressed and, you know, I was depressed and we were not happy and we weren't communicating well. And so we decided to go to couples therapy because that's what you do. Like you don't end your marriage. So that's what I was taught. (laughs) Um, You stay married. You know, we had two kids and I was not, divorce wasn't an option. And so, um, I, we were in therapy and, uh, I thought that things were getting better. I was working on myself. I was led to believe that he was working on himself as well. And, you know, that one night we went out for a couple's night out and we were driving home. Uh, we live in the Valley. And so we were driving, we're in Los Angeles and we were driving over the canyons coming home from a really fun night and it was really, really late. And all of a sudden his phone rang, not once, but five times from a much younger female colleague. And my heart just sank. And I, I knew her, I knew of her, I had been around her, I had hung out with her, she knew my kids. Um, and at first I, I wasn't understanding why she was calling. And anyway, to make a long story short, he made a lot of excuses for the next 12 to 18 hours until the next day after I came home, I demanded to see his cell phone and he refused to give it to me and I kicked him out. Um, what I soon came to realize was that, um, my worst fear came true and he and her, they were having an affair. And so, so it was, sorry. oh, thank you. And best thing that ever happened to me. Like, I, it's the worst to say, but sometimes it, it does turn out to be that way. Yeah. But. I say my divorce was a gift, like finding out, you know, I believe, and I'm not trying to digress from my story, but I do believe that the universe shows us what it is that we are ready to see when we are open to it. And in that Absolutely. moment, I listened um, and I haven't stopped since. And so, I was able to confirm my fear, uh, confronted him and full denial until I showed evidence. And that was kind of the beginning of the end. We separated and uh, shortly thereafter started sharing custody of our kids because I was working full time. I actually started a brand new job a week after this all happened and I was pretty high up at my company. So it was a lot to to manage and to fake because I, I was so ashamed and I was so embarrassed. And I was so scared about my kids. Um, My boys were seven and 10 at the time. And all I could think about was, oh my God, what is this going to do to my kids? To the point where I would have stayed in my marriage for them if I hadn't done the work that I did. And so for the next year, you know, I was in therapy by myself. We kind of started staying in couples therapy a little bit. but I really I saw it as a wake up call and it was time right. for me to just be like, when did you fall asleep at the wheel? Here I was to the outside world, this strong and confident and just go getter. And yet in my marriage, it's like, how how did I miss this? Right. And, you know, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty, And now I'm like, oh, yeah, should have paid attention to that. But with that said, it was really the universe knew that I needed that smack upside the head in order for me to really wake up. So I did the work. Um, I continued working with my therapist and then I felt super stuck. And 
I couldn't figure out what was supposed to be out there for me to like help me get through this. And, you know, the universe hands you what you need. And all of a sudden on Facebook, I saw a post from a friend who became a life coach. And I was like, what's a life coach? Like, what is this? <laughs> and, you know, something drew me to it. And I called her and three hours later, um, I enrolled in the course that she took to become a coach. Mm -hmm. And through that found a coach to work with myself because therapy is great to help us with our past. And what coaching really does for you is it focuses on the now and Absolutely. where it is that you want to go. And, and that was where I was stuck. I was so focused on what he did, how I missed it, replaying every second of our life over in my head, wondering yeah. how I missed this. And what I really needed to start doing was focusing on today, right? The now, and then where am I going from here? It just really was the beginning of this journey that I took. And it took me about two years to really get to a place where I was fully healed. And what I decided to do was because there wasn't kind of like a one-stop shop for this healing process, I decided that it was my purpose to bring this to the world. And so I quit my corporate job and I decided to start my business and to create this five-step program. And that's what I get to do now because no one should have to suffer. And part of what I also teach is I teach my clients how to help support their children through the process because everything I teach, you teach your kids. Like I taught my boys everything that I learned along the way because at the end of the day, what was wrong in my marriage was that he and I didn't communicate well and we came out of families, each of us came out of families that did not teach us how to communicate our own feelings. We always felt like we had to go along with what everyone was telling us our feelings were. Right. And so it was it was an awakening for me to be like, oh, you mean I get to have my own feelings and I get to tell you what those feelings are and yeah. you're going to listen. You don't have to like them, but you're going <laughs> to listen to them. Like it was a whole new concept for me and the same for my boys. And you know, I was talking to somebody earlier today and I was saying that my boys are better people because their dad and I are not together because I am, I can't speak for my ex-husband, but I show up as the best person that I've ever been. And my relationship with them is amazing. I mean, we were close before, but never like this. And it just opens the door for self-exploration. And, you know, I think the hardest part is seeing your role in the downfall of your marriage, right? Absolutely. I don't take responsibility for what he chose, but I do take responsibility for how I contributed to our marriage situation, right? How I showed up had an impact. So that's the part that it took me a little while to understand, to own, to yeah. accept, to forgive, and then to move on. So yeah, that's my story. And no, thank you so much for sharing. Seriously, <laughs> mm -hmm. I really yeah. am so grateful for you being so vulnerable and open. It's a really interesting conversation for us to be having because not only do you have two kids, but I was the kid, you know, and I I always say kind of on the adverse of you, I say I would never want my parents to still be together. I would never, yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I wouldn't have such self-awareness. I wouldn't know about myself the way I know about myself had I not been through yeah. all the things that I had been through. And sometimes you can't give your children the picture perfect picket fence family. Sometimes you have to put them through some things that might not be easy, might not be fun or fair to them, but it in the long run is going to help them so much more than watching their parents be in a situation that's not healthy for them. I mean, kids yeah. are like sponges. They soak up everything, things that you don't even know they're soaking up and oh, they carry it with them for their yeah. entire lives. And I'm still learning things that happened in my childhood that still resurface yeah. all the time. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, my boys... Of course, they wish we were together, right? I don't think that there's anything wrong with that either, but they see how much happier we are. You know, their dad's remarried and I too am, am you know, with somebody and, 
you know, they see a better different version of each of us. And so yeah. what I always say is that our kids deserve to be in a happy home. Yeah. And sometimes that means two different houses. Yep. It, it, you know, I almost stayed for my kids. I have clients that, you know, think that they should stay because of their kids. And I'm like, no, like the worst thing you can do is stay for your kids. You know, we think that we're hiding stuff from the people who know us best, including our children. Right. My kids are like, oh yeah, we heard you guys fighting when you thought we weren't. Or like, <laughs> you know, we could, we, like you and dad were like really tense a lot and we could like, you guys weren't hugging and you know. They so it's pick like, everything up. We pick they, it all up. I know. And <laughs> that was an eye opener for me. And I'm grateful that they shared that intel with me because yeah. as parents, we think we hide it really well, just so you know. <laughs> Truly. And I have to tell you, I'm glad that my kids felt comfortable to tell me like, yeah, mom, no, you, you, you didn't, you didn't do so good on that front. And it was like, oh my God, what was your experience? Right. I wanted to know what my kids were going through. I wanted to know what they felt. I, it was important to me because the way that I was showing up, it's this ripple effect. Right. And right. that was part of my journey was making sure that I wasn't rippling negatively. Right. I want right. to have a positive impact with my kids and, um, you know, I think it's important that you as children, you guys get to tell your parents the truth and absolutely, you know, it's your experience. It doesn't, you know, it's not negative. It's not positive. It's neutral. It's, it's an experience. And yep. I think it's important that parents are aware of how their kids feel. I couldn't agree more. It's so important. You know, it's definitely a journey. I think it's uh, very enlightening talking to you, someone who is so open and wants to hear the feedback from her kids. I definitely think there's been times where I've attempted to share certain parts of my story and definitely get a little bit of like the backhand of, you know, shame from my mom or whatever, where she's like, there's some gaps in your story or there's things that you're missing. And it's like gaps, no gaps. This is how I this is how I experienced it, you know, as I get older, it's all just stuff that I'm so interested in exploring and learning different people's stories about too, because mine is just one of many, you know? And I will tell you that it's not always important what the story is. It's the, it's the emotions and the feelings that are relatable, right? right? So I tell my story and it evokes similar emotion, you know, and this is actually one of the reasons why I really dislike some of these Facebook divorce groups, because it's like, it's like chest bumping. It's like my story is better, worse than yours and mine's yeah. worse than yours. And no, you have no idea what you're talking about. And it's like, whoa, ladies, like, come yeah. on. Like, <laughs> this isn't a competition of like, whose divorce was the worst. I don't know where empathy went out the window, but like, it's, it is so important that everybody gets to feel heard in what their experience is. You know, one of the things I taught my boys because their dad tends to be resistant in when they express themselves because right. their emotions don't match their dad's emotions. And so, right. um, you know, the line that I've taught them and your listeners should, should use and write this down, which is that I get to have my feelings and you don't have to like them or agree with them. Yeah. And that's it, right? This is a boundary. That's a boundary. So, yeah. you know, I teach a lot about boundaries and we get to set boundaries with our kids. Kids, you get to set boundaries with mom and dad too. And I mean, there have been times where my kids have come back at me and they're like, mom, they're my feelings. I'm like, I know. And I don't have to like, you know, it's like they use it back on me. <laughs> it's important to, to get into the practice of mm -hmm. using your voice. It's not about the other person hearing you. Right. It is about you speaking your truth 100%. and not attaching to what the other person's experience is. All the outcome that you need to attach to is, is you getting the words out. The outcome Absolutely. is speaking it. It's not attaching to what their experience is hearing it. Well, it sounds like you are an amazing mother. And I think oh, that, that they are so lucky to have that kind of an energy and space for them to heal and learn and process. I think Thanks. if everyone could have that, we'd all be in a, a much better place in this world. So I think you're you're doing a lot. You're doing Thank a lot. Thank you. Well, my, <laughs> my mission really is to help change the conversation around divorce. And the more women's lives that I can impact, 
the, the better our society, I believe, will be because the divorce rate, as high as it is, you know, there's a lot of kids out there hurting and it doesn't have to be that way. So every life I get to impact is a gift. Absolutely. So yeah. you have this quote on your website and it says, my divorce was happening for me, not to me. And I noticed that even when you're speaking in conversation, you always use the terminology of for, not to. So can you tell us a little more about what your perspective on it is? Yeah. You know, I, when I, when all this was first going down and I said these questions to myself, which was like, how did this happen to me? Why is this happening to me? When things happen for you, it means that you are looking for the silver lining. It means that you are looking for, okay, I hear you. And what's the lesson? What am I supposed to learn from this? How am I supposed to take this forward? There's something in here for me to become a better person. You know, we we're humans and we mess up like humans right. are not perfect. So we're always in a state of transformation. So things happen for us all the time because it's like, hey, don't do that again. Okay, right? Or it's like things happen and you're like, yay, that worked. Okay, I right. get to keep going, right? They're signals and they're cues. And I see them, you know, when you say that things are happening to you, it means that you literally see obstacles as that, like right. something that is literally in your way. And when you say things happen for me, it's like, oh, detour. Okay, new path. You know, it is a lot easier said than done. And it's it's hard to have that mentality of not being a victim and or at least not allowing the things that happen to you or for you become your identity. I think that's the biggest thing, especially when it comes to trauma and yes. relationship trauma and all of that. It's really important to not let that become your identity because that's when you almost lose the opportunity to ever move forward from it completely. So what do you, how do you help people who have a hard time ditching the to me and switching over to the for me belief and mindset? Cause I wish I could think that way more than I do, but I yeah. definitely like for personal reasons and different situations, I just would love to know more of how you guide people to embracing that mentality and really believing it too. Yeah, I mean, that's the E in my rehab program, right? Rehab's an acronym, and the E is about ending your victim mindset and your pity party. So right. I do have actual exercises and steps that I teach. And ultimately, what the E is about is learning how to distinguish your story and limiting beliefs from the truth. The way to shift is to learn how and to have accountability, right? Yeah. One of the biggest things that I provide is that accountability. I am all over my clients about their language all the time. Like I hear them right. speak and I will correct them in real time. Because right. if you don't have that constant reminder, you're gonna keep speaking the same language. It's not impossible. It just takes practice and it takes accountability. So the main program you offer is what we were just talking about a little bit, the Divorce Rehab Program. And rehab is actually an acronym and we just talked about the E. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit more about what it stands for? So the R is all about reclaiming your identity and your voice, which is the one thing that we lose in our marriages. Um, so the way in which I teach how to reclaim your identity and voice is to reconnect my clients with their with their truth. Um, and the way that we do that is through learning how to set boundaries and also how to figure out what your values are that right. are most important to you. The E we talked about is really about ending your victim mindset and your pity party. And so that's all about understanding the difference between you and your negative voices that are inside of your head. The H is all about healing your wounds. And so a lot of times when we are going through this experience, we tend to shy away when the pain gets quote unquote too much and we pull ourselves out. And so in order to heal, you've got to feel through. I keep my clients in the grief. I keep them there so that they can get themselves out. I don't want them to pull themselves out right away. And so healing your wounds is really all about allowing yourself to let to feel it all. 
The reason right. being is that when you get divorced, you are mourning more than just your marriage. You're mourning the loss of your best friend. You're mourning the loss of the family. You're mourning the loss of, for some of us, financial security. You're mourning the loss of your retirement vision of what, you know, being grandparents together, right. there's all these different elements. Like the first year after divorce is so freaking hard because it's like the first everything's holidays, like birthdays, first day of school, like Valentine's day, like things you don't even think about. And so it's really important to spend time in the, the, the ick, <laughs> Um, and to just let yourself feel because, you know, I equate it to quicksand, right? What happens when you fight the quicksand? You get sucked in. And what happens when you surrender to the quicksand? You stop sinking. And so I teach my clients how to just surrender to the quicksand and just let it flow because the more you resist, you wonder why you're sinking further and further away from the surface. Right. Um, I love that analogy. Thank you. And through that process, right, of the healing process is where you start building back your self-esteem, your self-worth, your confidence, because you're starting to distance yourself from the past as you're healing your wounds. And you already have your foundation of like, you know who you are. Well, now let's put it into action. And then the A is all about acceptance through accountability. So it's about accepting your role, accepting your 50% of the marriage falling apart and doing so with someone who can hold you accountable. The accountability piece and what I sprinkle it all with is my tough love is so crucial because your friends and family keep you stuck. They're not gonna help move you through this. That's where you have somebody coming in who who is distanced enough, who can still keep you in that momentum and showing, helping you to see the truths, but holding your hand and being your biggest cheerleader along the way. And, you know, it's, it's a dance, right? It's kind of like this waltz that I get into with my clients at this stage where it's like, you've got to trust me and let me lead you. And then you can lead yourself, right? And then the B is all about building your foundation. And for me, the way that I teach that is through forgiveness. It is the hardest part of divorce. Um, and it's not the type of forgiveness that everyone thinks. It has everything to do with yourself. And I teach it very differently because it was the hardest part of my recovery. Part of it too is also, you know, my kids for a little while thought that they had something to do with it, um, right. which I think is really hard. That was like heart wrenching. Um, of course. And, you know, I, I got to teach them some of the tools that I learned around, you know, cause it was always like, oh, we, we you know, is it cause we were fighting so much? Is it because we have too many sports and you and dad weren't spending time together? Like, you know, and so yeah. it was really it, it, some of the tools that I teach in forgiveness are really helpful um, with our kids as they're kind of navigating and trying to sort through their own heads of like, how did my world just fall apart? For sure. Kind of going along with that, we've talked a bit about your children and your experience uh, navigating this time with them. And I kind of want to get more into the actual co-parenting aspect of things because there's a difference between how your children are emoting to things and how you actually keep the structure and what the strategy is there. So how did you approach this new normal with your children and your ex-husband? Yeah. And, you know, I will start by saying that our co-parenting relationship today looks nothing <laughs> like it did five years ago, six years ago, when we started this process. So right. um, when we started sharing custody of our kids, we agreed to do like two weekdays each and then alternate weekends. And to be honest, we have kept the same co-parenting schedule. We've kept the same custody schedule since November of 2016. Like it has never changed. <laughs> it has changed in that if one of us needs to swap or trade or whatever, like we're very flex. We've always been very flexible with that. Right. Um, but we have a 50-50 custody situation. 
my co-parenting relationship, uh, I wanted nothing to do with him. I didn't want to help him. Again, this is who I was back then. Understand Mm -hmm. I was resentful, betrayed, angry, hateful, like he was the enemy in my world. Um, And so I didn't want to help him. I didn't want to talk about schedules or anything. And of course that quickly changed because I realized that that was not good for my children. (laughs) So um, what ended up happening was I learned about this thing called parallel parenting. And what I slowly became aware of the more I did my homework is that parallel parenting is actually a form of co-parenting. And what parallel parenting is and what it means is that each parent runs their house according to their rules and that's it. There's no real communication um, unless there's a need to. And so I remember handing my ex-husband like a schedule. This is the boy's schedule. These are all the acceptable, like here's breakfast ideas. Here's, I mean, talk about type A controlling, right? Here's all the snacks. Here's all the lunches. Here's dinner ideas, right? Understand that like I, I kept a home of like, you know, yes, I worked full time and I cooked and I bought fresh food all the time. I was making fresh food. And so I was like, oh my God, what is going to happen? And (laughs) And so the more I tried to change him and to tell him what to do, the worse Mm -hmm. our relationship got and the more tension there was around our children. And so I then decided to just, it took some time, but I had to like take a step back and just let the chips fall as they may. And then I slowly realized that I could empower my children to make better food choices and to teach them how to talk to their dad about the things that they needed, wanted to have in the house or the way that they wanted things done. And that it got to be a conversation with their dad. So it was kind of this evolution. What I started to see and what I started to realize were a couple of things. Transition days were awful. And so the days that the boys came back or the days that they left, they were like off the charts, like, misbehaving bad moods like and i was like okay i need to create like a schedule and like a regimen for when they come home and when they leave and so one of the things that i encourage parents to do if you have kids that are still in the house is to create like a steady like when you come home this is what we do and when you go back to dad this is what we do so that the kids had some consistency so that they weren't feeling like uncomfortable or weird or like I'm gonna miss mom I'm gonna miss dad right so that's number one and number two is that schedules and life is are gonna look different at each parent's house right yeah as long as there's consistent routines in each house kids need consistency to feel secure And so once I learned that, I started kind of lessening my grip on needing everything to be the same at my house versus dad's. So also teaching my boys that it's okay that things are different and you get to have different experiences with dad and you get to have different experiences with me. Um, And so, you know, fast forward a little bit of time and as I'm healing and moving through stuff, slowly he and I start creeping into the co-parenting realm. And, you know, I'll never forget, never forget my ex-husband and I went to a, a high school interview because we were applying to high schools with our son um, four years ago. And that was the first time that he and I embraced and my son, was like, cause we like kicked ass on the interview. And so we embraced right. in the parking lot, just like so relieved. And we're like, oh yeah, he's totally gonna get in here, right? right? And my son took a picture of his dad and I hugging. And like, right. he was like, oh my God, you guys, <laughs> you like each other again. And, you know, and so that was a real mirror to me around yeah. how important it was that we rise above this and do what's best for our kids. And so we do co-parent now um, and have honestly, since that day forward, we 
talk about things. We like will consult each other. He got a TV for my son in his room and he's like, well, what do you think? I'm like, I think it's stupid. I think no, I think our children are too young to have a TV in their rooms and it's your house. So you make the call. Before I would have been like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. How dare you? Don't you yeah. dare? And instead I'm like, well, my perspective and it's your house. Like you right. get to deal with managing having a, a television in his room. But I think at the end of the day, and I teach, co I actually have a very comprehensive co-parenting class because the biggest difference that happened in my relationship with my ex-husband was in that moment where I transitioned out of ex-wife and into mom. Right. And where I saw him as dad and not ex-husband. Right. And so learning how to communicate to him as mom does not look the same as communicating as an ex-wife. So that was kind of like the the migration process and learning how to show up in relation to him that would be best for our kids if you would ask me if this would have been my life six years ago i would have said you're you're crazy because <laughs> i just wanted nothing to do with him and at the end of the day my kids need their dad and i'd rather he be the version like i'd rather he show up as a hundred percent of the dad that he's capable of being than not Absolutely. Is it the dad I envisioned for my children? No, it's not. It is part of who I envisioned for my children, but not the whole package. And that's okay because he's showing up, giving everything he can. All his tools are out for my kids. And I will take that any which way to Sunday. I will take that any day, all day than to not have him in their life. My kids need yeah. their dad. And even when he's not being the dad I, I wish he would be, there's a lesson in there for my kids of how not to do this to your kids. Absolutely. So it's interesting, something I talk about a lot, and I'm curious your opinion on this, but yeah. something I talk about a lot is how much I dread any family encounter where we all have mm. to be in the same place at the same time. And so I guess I want to ask you with your son's bar mitzvah coming up, how do you navigate that and how do they feel about being in that situation altogether? How do you handle it? And now yeah. you have a partner involved and your ex-husband has a partner involved. Like, how does that all come together and look for you? Because I know how it looks for me, but I'm curious your experience with that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's a great question because my older son was bar mitzvah three years ago and his bar mitzvah looked very different than what my younger son's bar mitzvah is going to look like. So at my older son's bar mitzvah, it was like the divorce was just finalized. He was engaged. There was this whole new person in my kid's life. And I was like, no, like I drew the line. It was our families. That's it. I didn't even know her. I hadn't met her. I'm like, you think she's coming to this? Like not going to happen. I was still very line in the sand, like, no yeah um you know now she and i are cordial like we can be around each other there's no friendship there there doesn't need to be um right you know and she's she is good to my kids that's all i care about um they have a daughter together so my boys have a two and a half year old sister um so she will she and the sister and her family will be at my son's bar mitzvah my younger son is because he's seen all of us together and we've you know we've sat at sporting events together and you know they've seen us interacting so like they're not nervous about it at all actually right. my son was very adamant that her family not be at his service because he didn't feel a connection to them right like right the service part where you're reading from the torah and it's like it's a very special intimate, intimate yeah. experience and i understand that and we get to respect that however right. his stepmom will be there his sister will be there and they get to be honored at the ceremony right just like right. my husband gets to be honored at the ceremony and so the way we're navigating this bar mitzvah is so different <laughs> than our older sons but it's also because we're just in a very different place as a family i honestly don't care that she's going to be there. It like, doesn't, I'm yeah. like in a very, 
very different place in my life than I was three years ago. She gets to be there. I mean, she's the mother of my children's sister. Like, right. You know, I, I respect that. I respect her role in, in their life. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I was very curious what your opinion on that was, especially as the parent involved. Yeah. It's a, good it's, a, it's a different perspective for me, for sure, in so many ways. We talked a lot about, you know, advice on co-parenting, and I think our conversation was catered a bit more towards younger children who are still in the house. So my last question I would say on this subject for you would be, what advice would you give a 25-year-old who just found out their parents are getting divorced and they, they don't know how to feel because it's like you're out of the house, you're independent, you know, it's totally different. Yeah. age group. So what would your advice be to someone in that situation? My husband has older kids. So I have gotten to observe and see firsthand what the experience is like when kids are in college. And I, and I've read about this too, but I lived it firsthand. It's actually harder when they're older and it's harder for them to accept it when they're older. And the biggest reason of, of why that is, is because they're at the place where, I mean, remember you in college, right? You're you're like, I'm free and I get to figure yeah. out who I am and I'm living life Literally. for myself. But I have the security blanket of like my parents and my roots and my family and our traditions. And I still have that steady thing. And then it's like, like right. what just happened and it's harder when they're older because they're like i'm trying to figure out who i am and i knew who i was in that family but now yeah. that's gone so am i that person who am i oh my god now i don't know who i am and right so many people say like oh I, i'm just gonna stay in the marriage until the kids are gone and then it'll just be easier and i'm like no don't do that don't because do that. <laughs> It's so much harder for them when they're older. I, I, I have watched firsthand what is yeah. happening and it breaks my heart. It is a harder struggle. It is a harder place to come back from. There's anger and there's bitterness in the kids because right. it's like, how could you do this while I'm navigating, trying to be an adult in my own world? And you guys just like, now whose home do I go back to? Who do I belong to? It's hard. And so yeah. the biggest piece of advice that I can give is number one, do not wait until your kids are out of the house or they graduate or whatever the excuse is. It's gonna be so much harder. It is so much easier when they're younger than yeah. it is when they are older. Um, number two is I think that there is an advantage of doing like co-therapy. So my ex-husband and I did that with our boys. Like we went right. to family therapy right. and even when we were separated and there were times where we would all be in the room, there would be times where one of us would be in the room with the kids and there were times where the kids would just be in the room together. Right. And I don't care how old you are, like we all grow up with issues like no one's perfect. We're all going to have shit from our childhood that we're going to have to deal with at some point. And what I think happens is like divorce when your kids are young adults, it like just brings them to the surface that much faster. Right. And they're in this identity crisis. And so it's really important that, you know, when your kids are older and they're away, you don't have them in the 24 seven way that you do when they're younger, where they can see kind of like what your thought process is, how it is that you're doing. They're away. They're not privy to this process or what's going on. And sometimes it's such a shock to them. And so I would encourage conversation in a safe area where everybody gets to feel whatever it is that they want. Right. And getting the getting help from a professional as a young adult is really important and inviting your parent into the room and having the courage to tell them how you feel right um is probably the biggest piece of advice that i can give i also think that the older the kids are the easier they are to blame one parent over the other right and marriage takes two people I agree with that. End of story. 100%. Taking sides doesn't work. And don't use your kids as pawns when they're young adults. Don't treat them like your best friend that you can confide in them. 
anything. That's really about good the advice. That's really good advice. Yeah. You have to always remember that no matter how old they are, they will always be your kid. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this and being so open with me. I've really enjoyed talking to you about this. And anyone who is listening out there and feels like they could benefit from working with Wendy, you should definitely reach out or even just go on the website and do some research at least. Thank you. Of course. Appreciate it. So before we wrap up, I do this thing at the end of every episode. It's called Alpiece 3. It's my way of incorporating music into the podcast because I love music and I think it can help people get through so many different things and just be relatable. And it's a nice lighthearted way to end every episode. So I want to ask you if you could tell me three songs that you listen to a lot when you are going through the hardest time uh, post-divorce? So it's not a song per se, but what I did do was I had dance parties in my kitchen I love where that. we would dance out our feelings. And I, <laughs> I was going to date me. I love 80s <laughs> music. So me too. we would dance it out to 80s music. Now, there's another song that's coming to mind that I danced to with my youngest. He he was he had a hard time. Um, and so he and I would always dance together to shut up and dance with me. Oh. Um, so and it's actually the song he wants us to dance to at his bar mitzvah. <laughs> that's so sweet. That's the song I love he that. thinks of with me because that's what we danced to in the kitchen when that. we had a, like when they would come home, we would do dance parties in the kitchen. So I love that so much. And yeah. I have dance parties by myself when I'm upset <laughs> all the time. So I relate to that for yeah. sure. Yeah. So that's honestly like that's what we did. Like, and that's what I, I did it. when I was by myself. So, all right, well, I'll throw that song on there and then I'll pick a few eighties classics to throw in as well. Yeah. I mean, there were other songs that I would listen to being like, he's going to want me back one day. Like, <laughs> you know, like what was the popular Ed Sheeran song that was on that? Like, Oh, uh, perfect. Yes. That's... I mean, just like, idealistic yeah, of like not of reality um, like that those one. are important too though those songs are unrelatable but important yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> it's so all part of the process so there's one there's two um oh and then okay so here's a funny one <laughs> you know the song bad liar by imagine dragons of course yeah well that would remind me of someone so okay <laughs> Like, oh yeah, that song came on and I'd be like, mm, I was, mm. <laughs> so anyways. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I hope I that love answers those your questions. So. It was perfect. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today. It was truly a pleasure to talk to you and learn about what you do and just everything you've been doing to help other people who have been in similar situations to you. I really enjoyed just talking to someone with the, you know, alternate perspective that I have and someone who has so much expertise in the field and is just committed to understanding how big of an impact this can have on people's lives and how important it is for there to be resources for people. So I think what you're doing is so amazing and I can't wait to follow along on your journey as it continues. So thank, thank you. you so much for being here. Thank you. And thank you to everyone listening. I hope you enjoyed our divorce mini series and learned something from our episodes. I truly did. And I enjoyed, you know, unpacking all different types of layers and experiences that others have and learning more about my experience in ways that I haven't before. So I am just really grateful to have finished this mini series with you, Wendy. You are so amazing. We have a lot of exciting content coming up. I can't wait to see you guys next week. Thank you again for listening.